Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Christian is not a person who just intellectually agrees that Jesus is the Savior of the world, the Son of God who died on the cross and rose from the dead. It's a person who gives themselves entirely to that. It's the most serious commitment that one will ever make. Because to follow Jesus is basically to have your life completely taken up with His. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of John. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on John chapter 6, verses 41 through 59 in a message titled, Satiated by the Son of God. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Jesus is using language that is purposely meant, really, it's meant to challenge them to think and go deeper than their surface interest in bread. Remember, that's the background. He's done this miraculous thing as a sign that they would recognize him as the bread that came down from heaven that would give life to the world. But they're just thinking about the fact that this guy, he supplied us with amazing bread. So he's wanting to, in a sense, shock them out of their spiritual complacency. I mean, this is shock language right here. And it is especially shock language to a Jewish audience. If he was preaching among cannibals, they would have just thought, okay, (laughs) whatever you say. We do that all the time. Non-cannibals would be probably offended, but Jews would be exceedingly offended Because if there was anything that was made crystal clear in Jewish law is that you were never to drink blood. Drinking blood was absolutely forbidden because as Leviticus says, the life of all flesh is in the blood. And God said, I've given it to you upon the altar. But it was strictly forbidden to drink blood. And of course, to eat human flesh would have been just as equally forbidden because Jews were not to not only not drink blood, but they were not to eat any unclean flesh. And there were a variety of animals that they couldn't even eat, much less eating a human body. And so, again, Jesus is wanting to shock them out of their complacency, and he's really wanting them to understand that what he's calling them to is something that is so deep and it is so all-consuming that it would be like eating his flesh and drinking his blood. So the question then is what exactly is happening here. And let's just, today's a little bit of a, 
unintentionally, but it's just in the text. But it's, it's a little bit of an apologetic session today, first about those reform doctrines. But now we have to address some other false teaching within the church. And so Jesus is not speaking literally here. That's the thing to just know up front. He's not speaking literally like the Roman Catholic Church has taught. They see these words as support for the doctrine of transubstantiation. Any of you raised in the Catholic Church here? I I was too. So transubstantiation, for those of you that were raised in the church, you might remember this from catechism. For those of you that were not, Perhaps you've heard about this or you're going to get um, a bit of an education on it now. Transubstantiation is the idea that there is a miraculous thing that takes place during the Mass. You know, the Mass is all centered around the Eucharist. And that's why there's a daily Mass because every single day there needs to be the opportunity to partake of body of Christ. Because in the Catholic minds, the bread and the cup, they go through a change of substance, transubstantiation. They go from being common elements like bread and wine to becoming, in their theological view, the actual body and blood of Jesus. So that when, as a Catholic, you go to Mass and the opportunity for the Eucharist comes and you go up to the priest or the deacon or the lay person who's serving communion and they give you the wafer and they say, this is the body of Christ They mean that literally. That's Roman Catholic teaching. We, of course, do not believe that that is what is happening. And the text itself, I think, teaches against that. Because if you just read a bit further down to verse 63, where we find that the people are stumbled by what Jesus is saying. They're offended. They're leaving him because he's saying, you you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. He says to them, he says, the words that I'm speaking to you are spirit. The flesh profits nothing. I'm not talking to you about, in other words, I'm paraphrasing, but what Jesus is saying is, I'm not talking to you about literally eating my flesh and drinking my blood. The flesh That's the flesh. That's not going to profit anything. What I'm talking to you about is spiritual. My words are spirit, and they are life. And so there are many sincere Catholics who believe that that's what's happening, but I, I don't think that Scripture supports that. Now, some have suggested that the words that Jesus uses here about eating his flesh and drinking his blood were a foreshadowing. So Jesus is projecting here as he's preaching in the synagogue in Capernaum, 
He's, it's a foreshadowing of what's going to come in what we know as communion or the Eucharist. And, and let me say again, you know, Eucharist is a term that's commonly used amongst Catholics or Lutherans or um, more liturgical types of churches. Some people get freaked out if low church evangelicals use it. <laughs> they think, man, that guy's preaching Catholicism. He keeps saying Eucharist. Eucharist just means giving thanks. That's the meaning of the word. It's a Greek word. It means giving thanks. But it came to be tagged onto this bread and this cup moment because it is the moment where we are giving back thanks to God for his unspeakable gift. So just so you don't get confused by that. So some say that this, this is a foreshadowing of what we call communion because in John's gospel, John's gospel is the only gospel that does not have the part of the last supper where Jesus takes the bread, breaks it. This is my body broken for you. Takes the cup, passes it around. This is my blood that is shed for you. John does not include that in his gospel for whatever reason. So some believe that, well, this is where John includes it here with Jesus's teaching on the necessity of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Well, perhaps so, but it would have been completely lost on his audience. So to me, it doesn't seem that that's actually what he's doing. It could be for later generations who would read John's gospel and say, oh yeah, there's the connection there. I mean, we know there's some connection, but as Jesus is talking to this group of people and saying this, they don't know anything about the last supper that's gonna come. It's, it's at least a year, if not longer, away. They don't know that he's gonna take bread and break it and say, this is my body, and wine and pass it around and say, this is my blood. They don't know any of that. So it, it would have been lost on them. I think it's better to understand that through this language, through this language, Jesus is calling them to a belief that is far deeper, more intimate, and more all-consuming than anything they had imagined. Now, you know, we, we see it in their responses to so many things, but the general attitude of the people was the Messiah was coming and it was just gonna be the kind of thing where he was gonna make everything great and we're gonna live happily ever after and it's all gonna be good and we're gonna have a great party and we're gonna be living in ease and comfort. That's what they were expecting from the Messiah. So when Jesus comes, even if he is the Messiah, the main thing on their mind is get the kingdom thing going. Now get rid of these Romans. Settle us down and let us live that life of ease and comfort and joy that we have been expecting. That in their mind is the messianic vision. Jesus is saying to them, no, this is way, way deeper than that. This is much more 
significant, intimate. This is, I'm talking about an all-consuming thing. Now, let's face it. Lots of people think the same thing about Jesus today. I want Jesus to come along side of my life, my vision, my plan, and I want him to bless it. And I want him to be along for the ride so that you know when the road gets bumpy, he can help us navigate through that. He can calm the storms that we might encounter. You know, Jesus is an addendum. He's, a, he's something that we add into our lives. That was their thinking. That's the thinking of people still to this very day. Now, Martin Luther, the well-known reformer who was a Catholic monk, who through reading the plain text of scripture came to realize that you didn't attain salvation by your works of righteousness, but it was, was by you know, faith alone in Jesus. This is what he said about the passage that we're looking at here. He said, wherever the message is proclaimed that Christ gave his body into death and shed his blood for our sins, and wherever that is taken to heart, believed and retained, there Christ's body is eaten and his blood is drunk. This is the true meaning of eating and drinking. To eat is synonymous with belief. So that's simple, and I think it's right. That's what Jesus is saying. When he's using these metaphors, he's talking about believing, but he's using these strong metaphors because he wants them to understand that believing is not simply giving intellectual assent. It's giving your life to something. That's what it is to be a Christian. A Christian is not a person who just intellectually agrees that Jesus is the Savior of the world, the Son of God who died on the cross and rose from the dead. It's a person who gives themselves entirely to that. So... Eating my flesh and drinking my blood is a metaphor for believing in Jesus. It's a metaphor that communicates the seriousness of the belief that we are being called to. Following Jesus is no trite matter. It is the most serious commitment that one will ever make. It's the most serious commitment that one will ever make. Because to follow Jesus is basically to have your life completely taken up with his. Like eating his flesh and drinking his blood. That that becomes for you. He becomes for you your very life. Now, many in that day could not handle this message. And we'll see the conclusion of the matter is that there's a lot of people that say, adios, Jesus, we can't handle this. But let's talk as we close about what he then finally says in verse 57. He says this, just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father, 
so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. So if eating equals believing to salvation, what does feeding refer to? Jesus says, he who feeds on me. So in one sense, there is, he's calling them to make an initial commitment or he's calling them to an act, a singular act of faith, which then gives them life. But then he's referring to another thing here, I think, in this word, feeds on me. Now he's talking about the ongoing experience with Jesus. Because Jesus didn't call us to just give a one-time affirmation that he is the Son of God and at one time in our lives say, well, I believe that and I accept that. Now, some people apparently think that because I have met numerous people who have no outward evidence whatsoever that they know or follow Jesus, and yet they have told me about when they got saved. Well, I got saved back in the 70s. I got saved in 1994. Oh yeah, I got saved 10 years ago. But there's, there's nothing about their lives that would indicate that that happened. So if there's a real transaction that takes place, a, a true conversion, there's going to be some evidence for it that proceeds from it. And that happens because we feed on Jesus. We feed on him. It refers to the ongoing communion with and dependency on Jesus that we all must give ourselves to regularly. So feeding on Jesus is to seek to encounter him wherever we are. You know, there's a lot of people that go to church still. Maybe the numbers are dwindling according to the polls, but there's still a lot of people who go to church. But going to church doesn't necessarily equal being a Christian, does it? Before I was a Christian, I went to church occasionally. I identified as being part of a denomination, if you ask me. Are you a Christian? No, I'm a Catholic. I didn't know <laughs> that those were actually the same thing. But, uh, but you know, but pe- people might say, I'm a Baptist, or I'm a Presbyterian, or I'm a Episcopalian, whatever. You know, there's a lot of people that would identify in that way but yet not have a vital, ongoing life experience with Jesus. 
But those who are feeding on Jesus are seeking to encounter him in the obvious places like his word and worship and prayer, in the community of God's people, in service to the Lord, in mission for the kingdom. Those are the obvious places where those who know Jesus are are seeking him in those contexts, but also in the not so obvious places the ordinary routines, habits, and experiences of life. See, in other words, the real follower of Jesus doesn't just do church as a religious obligation or do spiritual works as a religious obligation. The true follower of Jesus is the person who is looking to encounter Jesus in all of their life. He's part of everything that we do. Feeding on Jesus is to have your life revolve around him to live ultimately to know and to glorify him. And so that brings us to our final part of this aspect of our service today. Once again, to the bread and the cup that are before us. Now, I'm gonna use another word that could be scary for some. It's the word sacrament. Again, liturgical churches use language like Eucharist, like sacrament. Um, Churches like ours normally don't. But the word sacrament is not a bad word. It's a word that that simply means a sign that points to a spiritual reality. That's what a sacrament is. And most people, whether you're high church, liturgical, or you're low church, just come as you are, um, most, most Christians recognize that Jesus gave to the church two sacraments. Some say there are more most people recognize at least two, one of them being baptism, an outward act that's demonstrating a spiritual reality. The other is communion. And it is with what we call the Lord's Supper, these common elements, these everyday things, bread and wine, In our case, grape juice. But bread and wine, they represent. So they're they're physical things, but they represent something spiritual. And so although we do not believe in transubstantiation, we do not believe that when you come to take the bread and the cup, you're taking back to your seat the actual body and blood of Jesus. What we do believe, though, is that as we focus on the bread and the cup, as we take some time and it brings us back to that offering of the body and the blood of Jesus, it is an opportunity to connect with him in a fresh moment. That's what we believe it is. And that's why I think it's such a blessing to be able to do this together each week.
to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Basic Christianity by John Stott. In our increasingly global culture, issues of social justice are frequently headlined in all the major news outlets. But one universal topic is just as frequently avoided, the universal ramifications of the unpopular subject, sin. Sin has enslaved all humanity, and the imagery of slavery appropriately captures the effects that sin has upon all of us. It destroys relationships, families, societies, and nations. Sin affects every social structure within our global culture, and the Bible only gives one hope for the abolition of the consequences of sin. And John Stott presents this hope clearly in this month's resource. If you have recognized the consequences of sin in your own life and are longing for freedom from both its grasp and its consequences, or if you know somebody who has, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Basic Christianity by John Stott is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of John. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.